Guys, good morning. 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 So there. Good morning. Welcome to Self-Evident Podcast. We're coming to you live from Hope Tower. It's really exciting. We're so grateful to be here with you this morning. Um, I would do the face, but I'm just not feeling in the mood to do faces. I'm sorry. Should we talk about it? I mean, if you're not in the face mood. Oh, there it is. There it is. Kidding. We're here, guys. Guys, go ahead and share this video. Go ahead and like this video. Go ahead and do it. Like, it doesn't cost you anything to like a video on YouTube. Right? Share it, too. Right? It Your just wallet helps, guy, it helps you fellas. The same. Yeah. I mean, I'm. we're getting to the point where we're creating a monthly uh, kind of a, what do you call it? Members so, only. You mem members only thing. I don't want to have start doing these sponsorship things. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to end up having to do that. You know, we'll do I, it. I, we, we'll do it if we'll we have do to, it. but we'd rather you guys support us on your own. We don't need to make those goofy commercials like we actually believe in the product that we're actually pitching. <laughs> Unless it's Duncan. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. yeah. I mean, if they ever wanted to sponsor. Yeah. Hey. If they ever went that way. <laughs> I, you know, I got a they, car they can wrap with their logo if they want. Right. Well, I don't know. They so would any, wrap anyway, my guys, car. Today, today's the day, man. We're talking about civil disobedience. And is it Christian for us to be civilly disobedient? Is it a Christian ethic to be civilly disobedient? we got some things to cover before that. But some housekeeping things, guys. We're on everything. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts. Thank you for all the reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're getting a ton of them now, which is really nice. I like that. They're boosting us. It's good. It's good stuff, right? And we're also thankful that you continuously support us and you continuously help us do what we do. If you have not yet, go ahead on our website. You guys can actually be a part of what we're doing. Become a partner of ours. Uh, help us and be a part of our family by becoming a torchbearer, which is a sponsor, which is monthly. Uh, you can also donate, and it helps us keep going uh, to these young people, these kids and adults as well, reaching them with the truth of the gospel, but also with the foundations of liberty, the foundations of liberty and government. Um, there are many ministries out there that do kind of what we do, and, and that's awesome. I wouldn't even say many. There's good ones, and, and there's, there's ministries that do what we do. But we're all about ministry as well. We want the gospel to be preached, to see souls converted, because without that, they're not even going to care about understanding liberty. Mm. And we want to do that. So we, we're grateful for you. Uh, again, tell us where you're from today. Go ahead and put that down in any of the comments. Please tell us where you're from. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any topics you want us to cover or questions, please put them down. We usually address all these questions, uh, and we love to speak to you one-on-one uh, -on -one especially. So, guys, go ahead and do that. Mikey. Yo. You're typing. You're not even in the game here. What are you doing? I'm in the game typing to people on the podcast. Never mind. So there. Okay. So what are we talking about? <laughs> all right. Are we ready to get into it? Are we, we all ready? Five minutes. We got it on the clock. All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So you may have remembered we talked about something a little while ago called the, what was it? DGB, the Disinformation Governance Board. Oh, yeah. Well, long ago and far away. And if you remember, we even said, hey, they'll try to bring it back somehow. Well, it's back. So Biden's director of national intelligence has just created a new office, the Foreign Malign Influence Center, the FMIC. This will oversee all the offices, both governmental and non-governmental, that are tasked with fighting foreign disinformation and, you know, local disinformation when needed. Because this is exactly what we need. We need government to tell us what is disinformation and true and what is not. You know, the <laughs> same government, Mike, the same exact government that told us about COVID and how many vaccines. Yeah. Oh. And the told same... us masks were. 
Oh. Yeah. And that we should shut down business. Um, and told us that illegal image. Uh, and told us we landed on the moon at. Oh. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, here we go. You know, all you flat earthers are like, yeah. And all you <laughs> round earthers. Earth is right. And the round oh. earthers are like, yeah. <laughs> We're just getting them all riled up right now. Guys. Told us Bigfoot is not. Yeah. Who yeah. told us that the Loch Ness monster still. Who told us that evolution began billions of. Who really wants to teach us that our kids can actually watch drag queens. At... You know, that same people want to govern your information. They want to tell you what you can and can't say because, well, if you're giving disinformation, trustworthy. New, yeah, just, I mean, come trustworthy. on. Look at, look, at the, look at the nation. I can totally trust government. I mean, <laughs> look at our schools, this, our budgets. This is come on. really working out well. This is it. This is good. Always listen to government. That's what the Bible they're, says. They're just, it's great. So much fun. So good. Oh, we better move on. So Trump does CNN. So Trump was on a town hall on CNN. He had a nice debate with CNN's Caitlin Collins. Of course, she was actually supposed to just, you know, ask him questions and moderate, but it turned into a debate. Nah. And of course, AOC went on a Twitter tirade stating they have lost control of this town hall to again be manipulated <laughs> into platforming election disinformation, defenses of January 6th, and a public attack on a sexual abuse victim. Ocasio-Cortez, same thing, <laughs> wrote during the town hall. Cortez. Cortez. I'll probably get sued for mispronouncing your name. Now. Nah. The audience is cheering him on and laughing at the host. This falls squarely on CNN because nothing is worse than giving a platform to somebody you disagree with. So there, because people are upset that Trump was on TV. You know, I didn't even, <laughs> I, I, here's what I'm going to say. I agree with, with, with a couple of the pundits. I didn't, I don't watch these things. You know why? It's like, some will say Trump owns CNN. It's like, they get owned by themselves all the time. There's nothing new about that. <laughs> they trip over their own crap all the time, right? So it's not like, you know, you're laughing, but it's like there's nothing new there, right? Like they're going to eventually fall into their own pit all the time. So it's nothing like that. It's like, you know, this is kind of getting tired right now. And uh, go ahead and comment if you watched it. If you watched it, tell us what you thought. If you didn't watch it, <laughs> thank you for not falling into the media trap. Right. And third, fat discrimination is taking a diet in New York. Before you go there, what? that last point about the whole CNN stuff, notice what's happening to the media. Fox News is losing money. Yeah. CNN is going downhill. Vice just declared bankruptcy. MTV News is now getting You see what's happening? All these news sources, they're just kind of going away. Yeah. Right? Now, this could be one of two things that the media is losing, which I truly believe, but this could be the ushering in of this, a government source, like a full-on government-funded source of news. Mm -hmm. You understand? So be careful because you're going to see a lot of the stuff pop up. Which actually, they're, they're uh, what was it, Oklahoma uh, stripped funding from PBS because of some of the stuff they were airing. So, hey, go for it. Um, <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? All right. Fat discrimination is taking a diet in New York. Easy. So, New York City Easy. Council just passed a bill that would make it illegal to discriminate against height and weight in housing, employment, and public accommodations. <laughs> I have so many questions. Is this an epidemic? <laughs> Is it really an epidemic? Oh, I can't rent to you. You're 40 pounds overweight. I can't do that. Oh, man. This is awesome. First off, 
<laughs> I don't even know what to say. Well, because it's like if it's the landowner and he doesn't want to lease to you, it's his right not to lease to you. Oh, no, no. If he doesn't lease to you because you're two inches too short and 40 inches or 40 pounds too big, well, we've got to go after you for it. How I want to know how you how prove, prove that, right? He was doing it because he hates fat people. How do you I, like prove it? <laughs> this is where you know government has run amok. Like, how do you prosecute that? What are you gonna do? Tell the guy to, you know, send him through Dunkin' Donuts three times a week, and you know, once you start eating donuts and see what it's like to be a fat person, pal. I mean, what? Yeah, come on. Speaking of that, did you ever hear the story about the woman who wanted to figure out what it was like to be a man? So she dressed up like a man and and acted like a man for two years. She ended up committing suicide because Jeez. the treatment was so bad. The treatment she received as yeah. a man was she so wrote bad. A few books about it. And then yeah. She ended up... Are you going to speak into the microphone? Or are you just going to like? You yell? have given up the microphone. Yeah. She's not talking. Yeah, she's not talking. Don't point at her. I, I have nothing else to say. I already said what I, what I was. <laughs> no, say about. it into the mic because I don't know that people heard it. So, she she did that for two years, but then she wrote I think like a book or a couple books, and then she ended up committing suicide immediately yeah. afterwards, describing in those books how terrible like she was treated and just right. like the genuine like horrible treatment that men on a day-to-day basis not only get from women but society in general mm-hmm. and you don't even know you just don't I, understand you just don't, don't understand know. you just don't understand i am so oppressed hey how many of you guys comment below how many of you guys actually believe that bullying in most cases actually helps the person grow <laughs> no seriously no, I, I remember. I, I know this is going to be contrary to the, and we're going to get comments about this. Thank you. But seriously, bullying actually helped me. It toughens you up. It toughens you up, you but also too. It, listen, it toughens you up, but it also teaches you as a Christian, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Dude, if it's not going to be that, it's going to be something else. So learn. They have a disdain in their heart. They don't have Jesus. Why I'll, why just go right after bullying when it's like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, let's go out and love them and show the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Go ahead and correct me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So time's, time's over. Yeah. If you, if you see. My, my, car- my Carrie said that's terrible. <laughs> that sounded terrible. <laughs> terrible. I, you know what I meant by that? <laughs> I, it's live. Okay. I didn't I, say it right. You see that? I have no neck. I can do that. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Before we get started, do not forget, we do have a matching grant going. So uh, go ahead, go to the truth.com. Go ahead and donate, whether it's a one-time, whether it's a monthly. Uh, this helps us get to our goal. Keep working towards it. We have donations coming in, and we want to hit this goal. Please, yeah, we're, please pray about donating. Yeah, we're, we're, we're about halfway there. We still haven't gotten some of the pledges, but we're about halfway there. So continue to help. $7,500 that's going to be matched. Please go ahead and give. Uh, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Be a part of it. Helps us do what we do here. It's going to help us go out and do what we do there because obviously you know, and if, if you all listen to us for any short amount of time or a long amount of time, we don't charge much for going out and doing events. Some may call that stupid. I say, hey, we're going to go out there anyways, and God always provides. And it's always through you because you guys are awesome. So thank you. Go ahead and do it. Come on. Step out. Give. give from your heart. Uh, Stevie Wonder asked, when do you need funds by? Um, we haven't set a closing date on this matching grant. Uh, but, well, even if it's closed, you can still get yeah, I mean, I mean, still use funds. There's no end to the thing. You know what I mean? There's a, you know, it's, 
when does the, the tithing stop never <laughs> you know like you can give ultimately i am on a roll today of saying things wrong this is just not coming out good i sound like a prosperity preacher <laughs> which i am not for but i am kind of right because we're all supposed to i'll shut up this is great <laughs> I love you, man. Dude, I'm just waiting for both, those comments. Both like, of us what are... the heck is wrong with him today? <laughs> this show, I I don't know why I tuned in. <laughs> because we have nothing better to do on a Friday morning. That's why. All right, we're getting started. Here yeah, we go. Well, here we go. Civil disobedience and the U.S. So I don't think this is a topic most Christians deal with or want to deal with. Most of the time, and, and Romans 13 gets trotted out all, all the, the time. time. All the time. Romans 13, you got to submit to the authorities. And so, therefore, you can't, yep. you cannot ever go against a law unless it is explicitly demanding sin. I disagree. And, and we'll get to why. But we're going to go through first, okay, what is civil disobedience? Because I think we could all agree today's day and age, as many times in the past, it might, you might need some civil disobedience. Here's a caveat. Civil disobedience is kind of in the eye of the beholder. Even when we look at something like the riots uh, a couple years ago, whether or not they were right, those people thought that there was an injustice and, hey, this is how we're going to act against an injustice. Now, I still stand that it was immoral, it was wrong, it's not how civil disobedience should be done. I think there was a lot of taking opportunity of, of just being able to cause bedlam and mayhem, and, right. and I think there was coordination and all that. However, the question remains for us, okay, what is civil disobedience, and can a Christian actually be a part of it? Is a Christian going against God if they decide to do civil disobedience? And I want you to think, at one point in the Roman Empire, it was a practice to pinch incense into a flame for the Roman Empire, a, a, a Roman em, emperor, a sense of worship. Christians were pushed to do so, and many of them resisted, seeing it as an action of idol worship. This was civil disobedience. I do believe in, and it doesn't even have to be that clear-cut and that drastic, I think there are actions that call for Christian civil disobedience. Would we argue that the civil rights movement was immoral? Because there was plenty of Christians and churches that were behind that whole movement. Was what they did immoral, right? I don't think it, you know, it, the, the determination of what is moral or not and the disobedience or not is in the morality of the thing that they're disobeying. You know what I mean? Like you, you could see, obviously, segregation is immoral. Especially with scripture, we're supposed to, you know, what is it in Psalm? Psalms when he says how sweet it is that our brethren dwell together in unity, right? So to have any kind of separation is unbiblical in that sense of, of, of harmony, right? And, and, and love and, and, and all that stuff. And the Bible even says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's Jesus's word. So even the churches back then that supported slavery, the churches that supported all these things, unbiblical, unscriptural, we know that. Now, for people to go out and disobey that creates this tenet that some big preachers even today say our founders were ungodly for what they did. They should have never done what they did. They should have just submitted to government because that's what government is, right? But those same preachers in 2020 sued the government for shutting down their church. So is that civil disobedience? Yes, right? 
We're going out there and doing something that is against what God had ordained for us to do. And we can show you examples of scripture and we'll do that more. But I just think like start having that in your mind is civil disobedience and write that down. Give me your answer. Is civil disobedience biblical or is civil disobedience something that is unbiblical and we should not do? Go ahead and comment below. Yeah. And we hope that we can help you shift that narrative. Put in your thoughts now, please. Whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, go ahead and throw in your thoughts. Do you think civil disobedience is moral or immoral for the Christian to do? And obviously, it depends on your standards. At the end of the day, I do believe that violence can be considered civil disobedience, although I don't agree with violence. Although... I am going to throw a little twist for you, and, and we're going to have to figure out where we sit on all this stuff. So a little bit of history. The revolution itself was a massive movement of civil disobedience. Dang. Over, a, what, 130 years since the start of the colonies, there were moments of that massive civil disobedience. So before the war even began, the colonists were involved in major moments of civil disobedience. They refused to pay certain taxes. They boycotted important goods. The Sons of Liberty, a civil disobedience group in its own right, even burned records of the Vice Admiralty Court and looted the home of Chief, Chief Justice Thomas Hutchinson. The colonists wrote declarations of grievance to the Crown. They tried boycotting English goods. They coordinated resistance. They smuggled and built the black market and at times went after enforcers of the Crown's regulations and taxes. And then there's the Boston Tea Party which was an act of vandalism. It was. It was an act of vandalism. And, and we, because we, we tend to gloss over, right? And, and I'm kind of putting us all on the spot because I think that's where the real learning and growth happens. We tend to look at vandalism and say, that's, that's wrong, that's evil, don't do that. But then we'll gloss over the Boston Tea Party and, well, they did what they had to do. Yeah, not only that, you know. like, can you guys honestly answer? And again, you know why I'm having you guys comment? Because I just like engagement. I like to see what you guys are thinking. Is it cool that um, America had something to do with stopping slavery in its own country? Like we had, we went out there and did what we did. Is that right? But yes, that's good, right? Is it right that we're seeing Roe v. Wade overturned? It should have never been enacted in the first place through the Supreme Court. They can't make law, right? But it happened. It overturned. Is that good? I think we can all agree. Even if you disagree, it'll show you that courts can't make law, Article 3, Section 2. So if that's the case, all of those were acts of civil disobedience. Civil disobedience got that to stop. Yes. Right? Civil disobedience is what we said, no, no mas. We're not doing that. You know how I know that? The Supreme Court saying we don't have any right or us going out there and and, 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 and uh, putting up signs and protest about the killing of unborn, you know, the, the unborn babies. That's, a, that's an act of civil disobedience. You going out and street preaching on the streets against the culture is civil disobedience. Preachers preaching from the pulpits that it's sin out there to, to allow this ungodliness being taught in schools of transgenderism, all this other stuff. And they're, if they do it out of a heart of love, that is civil disobedience. You see what I'm saying? So like, to, 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 to try to pigeonhole it to say, well, you know, we got to really take it easy. All those acts are civil disobedience because the world and the governments and, and the world itself and the lusts of it are all saying this. And we're saying, no, 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 that's not what we're supposed to do. So any act contrary to the world legit is civil disobedience. Right. And I'm thinking about the, the Boston Tea Party. I don't know that I could throw a clean conscience behind it. Um, I have a hard time with the idea of, okay, now we're going into property destruction. 
in order to get our point across. And, and I think I could, I could be convinced otherwise if, if we had a long enough conversation and good enough points, but if I don't like when the other side does it, is there an issue there where, how, how do I morally stand on that, that framework? Um, I, I like the civil disobedience of say a Martin Luther King Jr. Or a Gandhi, you know, um, and how much effect you can have in a nonviolent way. Now, defense of your life and your property, that's a different story, right? Um, we didn't fire the first shot in the Revolutionary War. Right. That's important. It matters for me who fires the first shot. Because if you fire the first shot, now I'm defending myself against you. Right. You've encroached against me. To me, that's different from property destruction, where I go out and I don't like this thing you're trying to force on me, so I'm just going to destroy it so I don't have to deal with it. I have a harder time with that. And I, I may be making mad some, some you know, uh, colonial conservatives, but... I, I, yeah, and... Oh, <clears throat> and I could be wrong. I, you are. That's fine. It's because you're white. And we'll go with that. Yes. You're just wrong because you're white. You're racist. I, I am, you're all that. I okay? am so supremacist, so superior that I'm wrong all the time. You know, it, it, and and that is a good question. I I don't think destruction <laughs> okay. of property uh, uh, is is uh, is a is a good point. You know, I don't think that's a good thing to do. Right. Right. I think you know when when the when 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 humans are pushed to a brink, they start they to act. They act yeah. on it. You know what I mean? Now <laughs> we are we are right. Like we we may do things people disagree with. Right. You know, like going into schools or whatever, like people will disagree with that. I don't know, man, you shouldn't do that because they're going to let all the other religions go in there. It's like, but those religions don't have power and authority like our God does. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have deception, but they don't have authority. So it's like, what power do we walk in that we're saying, well, if we do it, then the other world's going to do it. When did God ever bow to other gods? You know what I mean? So like, I can see people's points on right. why they don't agree with us. But I think too, it shows that you have something to say. Mm -hmm. Um, so about like the other religions going into schools and stuff, um, I have something that'll literally, I don't know, probably make you feel sick on the inside, but somewhere in Missouri or Mississippi or something, one of the M states, but they are like, there's an after school program for like kindergartners, literally a after school satanic oh team. yeah the satan club mm -hmm. yeah and they literally like i've seen pictures and i'm just like like how do they yeah. do that to literally four-year-olds right four they don't know they don't know what they're doing they're just like my mom and dad want me to do this so why not it's like if you're being taught soccer like you don't know yeah if you want this that you don't really get a choice when you're that young you just do whatever your parents say right Go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, I, I was I was gonna say even to the to the to to destruction of property. This because we're talking about civil disobedience, so we need to cover all the bases. A declared war is different, right? At that point, it's war. Yeah, you know? both parties agree we're gonna destroy property. Like, yeah. there's gonna have some destruction here. This is gonna happen. Towns are gonna get overtaken. I just think that there are times when men get pushed to the brink. As a matter of fact, the declaration says that where it's like, okay, fine. You know, we're, we're, we're done here. I, am I justifying it? Not really. 
but I can understand it. I, you you and, see what I'm saying? And I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I can understand the action. My, my question on all of it is for the Christian, right? Now, that being said, in the Old Testament, God commanded destruction of property at times. Tear down your father's idols. You know, I, I was thinking about something. Remember? And, and I we, like the Old we, Testament. We brought this up once or twice. <laughs> I do. Right? I, I love that. Our our six sons are all named from the Old Testament. <laughs> he Tradition, and I were baby. guys. Real masculinity. Yeah. Dang it. Anyways, um, it, and I've brought this up before. We were having that that argument with the pacifists, and I wish I would have asked him because I didn't think of this in the Old Testament when uh, Phineas shoves the spear through the the two people, and the plagues and everything stops. Right. It's like uh, God counted that as righteousness. He killed two people. If God's consistent and the same from day to day, like <laughs> we, we weigh and that two, out. And two, I'm not telling you to go. No, no, da, 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 da. no. This brings up a better point. <laughs> this brings up a better point. What if they destroyed that tea saying this is unrighteous? We right. don't want your we don't want your crap. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, what if we don't want to tolerate the junk you're giving me? Get it out of here. Yeah, we already you, you're, you're taxing us. I mean, you have to understand what was happening at the time. If you guys get our course. The Live Liberated course, oh, we actually point. we actually go through what was happening at the time before the Boston Tea Party happened. It was Townshend Act, the Stamp mm -hmm. Act, all these other. They just kept adding tax on tax on tax. You couldn't ship or send anything without paying that stamp tax. So they're like, you know what? We don't want your junk here. We want it out of here. So actually, I kind of do justify it. I do justify in the sense, uh, you know, Andrew Kolar just asked, is righteous anger civil disobedience? You darn right it is. You darn right it is. Righteous anger only at the end of righteous anger. You know what's produced? Repentance. Are we drawing people to the Christ? Right. We're not just out there being angry. There's a point to our right. It's if you're if you're gonna call it righteous anger, there's a righteousness at the end of that. The fruit of it will be righteousness. Right. So sometimes there is this point of tearing down our father's idols. Maybe running for school board like several of our people at church did. And, and being in there and start to clean house. Are they getting flack right now? Yes. Yes. Of course they are. We just started touching the demonic. Right. You, Sorry. You it's think the, the truth. demonic's not going to cry and scream when its territory is getting taken away? And thank God for those who stand. Thank God for even our pastors who, who are standing with it. But listen to me. You're touching the gods of this world. Do you think they're going to lie down when you're going in there as a righteous person saying, okay, it's time to destroy right. it. It's time to go back to the things of God. It's time to go back. To just teaching kids what kids need to know. Of course, they're gonna stand up and kick back. That's their. That's what they do. Right. You know, I, I, this leads to a really good point in in terms of righteousness and all of that. I'm I jumping know, ahead. I know, Andrew. I was what? just explaining to. I love you, man. Andrew Kohler is faithful. I like this guy yeah. a lot. He's a good guy. Yeah. He just said, I'm, I was making a point. I'm like, I know you're making a point, man. I was just explaining. You're dog. playing off it. Yeah, man. I was just explaining. You, launching point. Um. And, and speaking of launching point, one of the things that we do have to understand, especially as Christians in terms of civil disobedience, is, okay, is the law aligned with righteousness, with God's law, or is it not aligned? And I go to William Blackstone White because he's one of the greatest minds on English law. He wrote a massive volume on the treaties of, of English law, and he discusses natural law which natural law is, is laws of the creator that are inherent in nature. And what he says, and, and I'll, I'll interpret at the end of it, this law of nature 
being coeval with mankind and dictated by God himself is of course superior in obligation to any other. In other words, it's, it's over everything. It's the ultimate authority. It is binding over all the globe in all countries and at all times. No human laws are of any validity if contrary, contrary to, to this. In other words, the human laws don't count if they're contrary to natural law, a.k.a. God's law. And can you guys think about some laws that are unrighteous right now that we need to stand against? Maybe we need to go, like Janice said, flipping tables. You know, maybe there's mm -hmm. got to be some unrighteousness of flipping tables, you know? Yeah, um, that, that's true. He continues... And such of them as are valid derive all their force and all their authority immediately or immediately from this original. In other words, if the law is not aligned with natural law, God's superior law, then it's, it's the other way to say it is it's imaginary law. It's, it's not valid. It doesn't count. And part of our job is to parse out, okay, what's natural law, what's God's law, and what's not. I think civil disobedience is that pushing up against of man's law where it feels where, where the, the conscience is pricked of this is unjust. This is against natural law. And I believe full wholeheartedly that the Christian has a right and a duty, especially in America to recognize where human law contradicts yep. God's law and contradicts the, the higher authority under God in this country the constitution and this we'll say this till we're blue in the face you have to stop seeing your representatives as rulers they're your employees Bingo. in other words they have Bingo. a job requirement they have a duty if they're not fulfilling that duty upholding the constitution it is your job and duty to remove them the problem is they tell you we're your rulers you have to do what we say that's like your employee coming in and saying, well, you gave me a little power, so now you got to do what I say. And then it makes it actually normalize that guys like President Biden, the, the empty suit, can be in Congress for 42 years, where the Senator Feinstein just went back in a wheelchair. She can't even walk right now, still a part of Congress. I'm sorry, part of Senate for the last 30. where she's at. Yeah, 37, 36 years. You have Nancy Pelosi who's been a part of this for over 30 years. And these are the ones telling you things are going to change. These are the ones telling you that they've already made it in your brain. Some of you, not all of you, but some of you to say, well, it's just, I guess, a lifelong position. You know what I mean? They're just going to always win that seat because they're in a Democratic area. Dude, look at Miami-Dade County. Right. I'm telling you, dude, this can work. And yes, I know the voting machines and all this other stuff. I just serve this God who can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000. I serve this God who spoke the creational world into existence. I serve the God who actually went and told Joshua to march around a city for seven straight days, and then at the end, we're going to shout and see the walls fall down. That's the God I serve, right? So if God is truly putting on your heart to be a part of something, then maybe we should obey him in that. Maybe the promises are your obedience to him, and the result is I'm giving you this land to go get it. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's up to us to say, you know what? What is my part to play in destroying the false gods of this world? In America, especially in this territory we call America. What if it's on us to actually do what God's word says? Which may take civil disobedience. Revenging all forms of disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled.
not staying silent in the face of oppression, actually doing what the gospel says. And many people won't do that. One, I believe because they're not baptized by the Holy Spirit. They're not caught up in doing the works of God. They have not been fully converted in their hearts, and they're holding on to things of the world. Hard to reprove the world when you're still doing the things of the world. I mean, that's the bottom line. But when you do have that spirit of God within you to say, no, my kids are worth it. And you know what? Your kids are worth it too. I'm going to do what it takes by the power of God, not my own flesh, not my carnal ideas. Like Ian Bounds said, we don't need more methods. We need men of prayer, right? Men submitted to the Holy Spirit. When that begins to happen, you see God move on those things. I, th I think that's why and we'll talk about him later. William Wilberforce and all these things. That's why things like that happen. The John Knoxes. You see what I'm saying? Because they actually take God at his word. They're saying, this is wrong, and we're going to go out and fight it. And it was impossible, but God gave him the victory. Uh, Chris Jackson said, civil disobedience or not, standing up for God and defending his commandments and statutes should never be hesitated if it is called civil disobedience. Exactly. And I, I think we get, we get afraid of this word because we've been so programmed with Romans 13. Every pastor from the, oh, not, yeah. not every, but so many pastors from the pulpit, Romans 13, you better submit to the authorities. I, I can't push against the authorities. Well, then you're calling the civil rights movement immoral. That, but you're calling right. government's actions always righteous. Always right. And, and now we've placed men in the position of divine power mm. who are immoral. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so so real real fast, if you actually just go through Romans 13, verse 4 actually says a lot in verse 3 as well. It actually talks about that their job was to punish evil and praise those who do good. Who is the litmus of good and evil? Whose standard is that? God. Hey, because they are ministers, those that represent government of God to you for your good. Matter of fact, it actually goes on to say, if you disobey the government who is good, when it's good, they bear the sword not in vain. They're going to come after you because you're... then at the end of Romans 13, it says, so get out of drunkenness, craftiness, sorcery, all these other things. Put on the Lord Jesus and make no provisions for your flesh. It's actually telling you to be righteous, but as you're righteous, make sure your government is too. Right. We, and that's, we have that ability, that power. We're, we're not in a monarchy where we're pushing up somebody uh. who's, who's, sat in the position for life and there's no removing and it's them. all uh, family driven that's, you're right that's a different battle i think there's still provision and time for a person to stand against right shadrach meshach and abednego daniel moses jesus like you have so many examples in scripture where men of god were called by god to say no more oh, you know what's crazy jesus on the cross is the ultimate display of civil disobedience not towards a government, but towards even a righteous political system. So you, you, that's perfect segue into one of the things that I think we need to wrestle with is you have to be willing to accept the consequences of your civil hey, disobedience. That's a thank you. Go for it. I, I, um, I love that. So a lot of Christians seem resistant to accepting the consequences of civil disobedience. We'll support pastors and evangelists who travel to other countries for the sake of the gospel and kingdom of God. But then we have indignation rather than praise for their willingness to suffer for their faith as Peter and John did. So Christians often respond as the, as the inspector in Casablanca. I'm shocked to find persecution going on there, right? We, we get shocked at persecution, but the reality is if you are acting civil disobedience, expect consequence. 
and be okay with that. Count the cost. But you have to be ready. Are you willing to be jailed? Are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to lose family, to lose your life? Yeah, and think about that when it comes to job, family, life, all these things. Who gave you the liberty to have those things to begin with? Therefore, if the world takes it away, who can restore Christ? God can, right? And, and if we're truly, this is where it gets really deep, not even in theology, but just in the Christian life. Think about this, right? Your life isn't your own anyway. If we can grasp that as Christians, that our life is not our own, that we're walking here as sojourners in this land, that we're in this world, but we're not of this world, your whole mindset about the world itself begins to shift. It does, because you're no longer like thinking about, well, if I do this and weasel and finagle and tolerate, if I can just preach a better sermon or try to uh, try to try to what's the what's the word? Uh, connect with the culture through a sermon. Right. So that I can draw them. We're not using words of men's wisdom here. What we're saying is the power and demonstration of God needs to happen in order to draw them to Christ. It does. How do you do that without stepping out and stepping on toes in the process? I want to go back to something you said because it just hit revelation for me. Christ stood against the traditions of men who those men themselves uplifted it as though it was defended by the word of God. Ooh. Ooh. People have twisted Romans 13 to decide Ooh. that every single word of man must be followed because it's by spoken by a man who supposedly was put in position by God. That's dangerous territory because Christ so many times, and, and I would say this to the people who try to defend that, how can you then defend the fact that Christ blatantly went against the traditions of the Pharisees, insulting them in the process, and, and said, you're more concerned about the traditions of men than you actually are about the laws of God. Come on. That was he you were so right when you said it was civil disobedience not just against government but a religious system. Gosh. His whole life was a a civil disobedience against a religious system. We've got to we've got to wrestle with that. And and really you are going up against a religious system. And and to you who 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 are on the fence about this, I just have a question. Where did tolerance ever gain Christians any ground that stayed and remained righteous? Where did tolerance ever gain ground for the Christian and the gospel for that matter? Tolerance, like just, right. you know, we just have to go along to get along. We just got to get in those areas. We just got to remain quiet first. And then we drop the gospel. I have yet to see that. Now, I'm not saying we don't be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. What I'm saying is if your mind is I have to compromise to get the gospel in, your gospel won't be powerful because it's not brought by the power of God. Right. Why can't God get it into the areas that you have the heart for? Why? I, I genuinely have a question. I We get this question a lot. How did you guys get into public schools? I, the, the, the response is the same every time. We just asked. We just knocked. And not every door has opened. Trust yeah. me, many have closed uh, and, and, and all that stuff. But the ones that did open, God moved. We haven't done many. We're not like saying, oh, man, we've been all over the country doing schools. We've probably done maybe 40, 30, 40. But yeah, about that much in, like in that. the eight, nine years that we've done this. But the fact that those schools said yes and we went in, you remember the stories, right? And it's like you can do the same thing. 
You just have to go out and do it because all you're hearing from the world is, well, you can't preach there. You can't preach there. Government says we can't do this. Well, the First Amendment doesn't really apply in a public square. You know what I mean? How do you know until you challenge it? Mm -hmm. Tolerance never got the gospel anywhere. And we've accepted certain mindsets. Think with me here. Just everybody take a breath because I think we've got to we've got to shift mindset. We've accepted certain mindsets as truth. So when somebody says you can't speak in public schools because First Amendment, we've just accepted that argument. Truth. Because somebody has put forward that argument and said this is how it's supposed to be. Or we could push back and say, is that the proper interpretation? We don't have to play on their ground. I think it's time to start getting them to start backing up a little bit and we push the ground that we're going to fight on. Do you see them tolerating? No. Gosh, they're using the system of liberty that God created. And, to and, hold and, you down. Through men, by the way, right? So we create this system that's supposed to have the ultimate form of liberty at that time. They'd never experienced anything like this before. Just hear me out, right? They went into that system, perverted it, and they're not stopping. No. And now they're making you, they're moving the goalposts and they're making you try to play by their rules. And as soon as their rules need to be changed, they'll change them. And then they'll force you to change with their rules. This, that there is a, 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 an agenda. And it I, is. Hate, I hate using that word because the gay agenda, the, uh, there is a coordinated effort. Totally. And, and I don't think it's, totally conscious i think there's subconscious to it why because they want to get their point across they want to get their thing so it's it's more of well i just want my thing and then i'll i'll change how i see it so i want my next thing and when you begin to tolerate go for ping pong with me on this yeah. you no longer bear the image of christ when you tolerate when you relent when you give up when you become weak and you say i i just if I can just do it this way and you tolerate what they're doing and allow it, you no longer bear the image of God in that thing. You can't. You can't. There's such a righteousness within you that says, no, I must do something, right? So that may be where you're saying, hey, you know, I'm going to invite them out to dinner and talk to them about the gospel. That's awesome. That may be where you go out in the street corners. You may say some things. You may go mm -hmm. pray for people. Praise God. That may be where your ministry begins and you want to go into schools and stuff and praise God. Maybe you want to go into colleges and start helping. Praise God. Maybe you want to be the one that opens up an, a, a life center, you know, instead of an abortion center. Praise God. Maybe that's you that wants to get involved in the political realm to stop this mess. Praise God. But the mindset cannot be tolerance. Because go along to get along has never worked for the Christian. It only works for the world. And they're not even going along to getting along. They're going along with you to destroy you. Yes. That is their literal mindset. All They are destroying every tradition, every foundation that Christ has built, whether it's masculinity, true femininity, our kids, church, the gospels, the way we read scripture. Now the world is defining what love is and what isn't, what genders are and what's not. Who is becoming God here? And they're putting you on the hot seat and making you defensive when it's God that originated all of this. We need to stand in our authority, ladies and gentlemen, as Christians. It's the authority that Christ has given you the moment you receive Christ. All authority is given in heaven and earth to him. Therefore, as ambassadors of Christ, we have that same authority. As you know the word scripture, as you pray, as you get baptized in the spirit, all these things that happen, right? You're a Christian. You're saved. 
you have that authority to now stand against the things of the world with the consequences that come with it. And you know why the consequences are there? Because we've allowed it to go for so long, right? Many people have. Now, thank God for the righteous who stood. Thank mm -hmm. God for those, man. D. James Kennedy, all the ones in the past. Like, I'm just talking about recent ones, right? Thank God for the ministers who did stand. And I was thinking about George Whitfield this morning, the one who said that the reason why churches are dead is because uh, dead men preach to them. You know that guy? He was actually the one teaching in the College of William and Mary, some of our founders, he was teaching them. Do you think they didn't know the power of the Holy Spirit through that guy? Come on, dude. Something was given to the founders at that time. I was talking about 200 years ago. Something was given to them by the Holy Spirit. That's why they didn't tolerate this anymore. They're like, look. It's right at my doorstep. I got to do something. I'm telling you, I think there's a connection between the, the first great awakening, which was 1730s or so, 1740s, and the fight for independence. I, I firmly believe that there was a move of God in that whole thing. Um, Liam asks, and, and I think this is a great one. What's your perspective on Jehu? Called by God, but later condemned by God. How do we disobey without losing ourselves in the process? <laughs> that's, that's that same old adage. Like when you're truly led of the spirit, it's not your works that produce it. I'm truly trusting in the things of God. He will lead me through it. It's like uh, Solomon asked for the wisdom, has more wisdom than anybody. All of a sudden marries all these wives and adopts their gods. You know what I mean? It went from, okay, he's God's righteous. This dude's following. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, whoop, goes off, right? And it's because we've taken on the things of the world. Now with Jehu, Condemned by God, it's like, you know, I'm trying to pull back what happened with him. I can't I'm trying well, to place it. And Liam, can you can you write what happened with him? I'm being honest. I'm spacing on on what happened with Jehu. Um, I do think there is a difference between called by God and into civil disobedience and going through your flesh. Um, Moses was called by God to remove the Israelites. I think I think all of us could be reasonably certain if Moses just decided, I'm going to go free the Israelites, he probably would have gotten squashed because he wouldn't have had the force and authority of the Lord behind him. So I do think there are times where God's going to tell you, not right now. But other times where if you're called to civil disobedience, you stand up. I, I think the founders were very much called to civil disobedience. And they were called to take this position. I think that's a big difference. And you're you're going to get yourself in trouble if if you make an idol out of your motive or your mission. If you put away the word of God, the, the <clears throat> rhema word of God, if you put that away and you're just going of your own volition in headlong into something that God's saying, I'm not, I'm not going to bless that because that's not my so, will right now. There's a difference in yeah, that. Totally, totally. And I, and I think too... This actually lines up with with what Andrew's question was. What is at what, what point is once it's it's turning the other cheek and then you're casting pearls, right? There's that mm -hmm. line. There's this there's this line of of when is it casting pearls and turning the other cheek? Turning the other cheek applies according to scripture when you're being persecuted for the faith. Casting your pearls is to the person who does not receive. And it's like not it's not that you reject them or hate them. It's just like, okay, they're not going to receive from me. So now we pray, pray more laborers into the harvest. This is how I always understood it. If they won't receive from me, I'm not going to keep doing that because the word I'm giving them may be for somebody else. So I'm going to pray in laborers for someone to reach this guy or girl, whoever it is, right? Uh, I hope my brothers don't mind, but when we used to fight all the time among scripture, when my older brother thought he knew it. I thought I knew it. My younger brother was like always in the middle of it. 
were like, no, that's not what it means. And blah, blah, blah. And they weren't Christian at the time. So I was, and they weren't Christian, but we grew up in the Bible. So we would just debate scripture. And I'm like, why am I debating scripture with people who aren't even believers? You know? <laughs> and then one day my older brother called me and he's like, dude, I got saved. And I was like, dang. And I was like, first, no way. And then my younger brother called me and he said that he was, he was, he was on alcohol or something. I can't remember what it was. He, he, he'd almost, he'd almost gotten drunk or something like that. And then went to a church service and God delivered him. And it was like the coolest thing to watch. Like I got, we didn't talk for a long time after all these debates, we just didn't talk. And then I just started to pray like, Lord, help my brothers, help me understand that I'm not right either. Right. And God brought them into the fold through other people and, and both different scenarios. One was just, my brother was preached at and he got saved. My younger brother went to a church service where it was like full of the spirit, bam, you know what I mean? Got delivered. So, you know, I think that's the line is not, when you quit casting your pearls and saying that's unholy, okay, let's pray for the laborers to reach that person, right? But maybe your job there is done. Don't keep casting your pearls where it doesn't belong. But turning the other cheek is when you're getting persecuted for your faith. You know what I mean? You're just, you're constantly, because it's like, they're not persecuting you at that point. They're persecuting Christ. So you're not to revile because they reviled you about Jesus. Does this make sense? I hope that makes sense. Um, all right. Sorry, I was, I was reading something. It, <sighs> So what does it look like for you to do civil disobedience? I think it really depends on what the Lord is calling you to do. And I'm, I'm not trying to make a end around and an easy wrap up on all of that, but I think it, it really depends. Um, it may mean protesting and active communication with our representatives. It may mean rejecting, submitting to a law or regulation we feel is violating our God-given rights. It may mean fast prayer vigils and petitioning of the Lord, even if you get arrested for it. it may mean coordinated effort to change laws, take over positions, and move the culture. Yeah. It may mean getting arrested and publicizing the event so people see the heavy-handed nature of the government. And look, a violent or heavy-handed government reaction tends to be a turnoff for people. It motivates others to get involved and <clears throat> cast the government in a bad light. Right. And that, that was the goal or or vision of especially the civil rights movement in the 60s was if we're going to we're going to be nonviolent they'll get oppressive on us and people are not going to have a stomach for that you know when you see water cannons and german shepherds you start to have some even even if you don't necessarily agree with the mission you have a hard time looking at that and going dude these people are sitting do you really need to be attacking them with guard dogs and government loves if government can't control you it becomes violent against you it has to it has to because it's got to get you to submit course that it's got exactly because if they don't get you to submit then other people learn ah they don't have all the teeth i think too like reading all these things so mikey laid out all these things that were civil disobedience i'm just gonna i'm not gonna go through any of them but you think about like the, the 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 Underground Railroad, women's suffrage, you know, the Vietnam War protests, all these things I think were good, like the especially Vietnam protests and looking back, right, mm-hmm. the anti-nuclear movement, all these things. But notice even like the founding of America and all these things like the women's suffrage thing has now been hijacked by these people who take that liberty and go a thousand miles an hour and say, now women have the right to do anything they want with their bodies. Now it's even gone really crazy where it's like those same women are saying that men are women. And if you're a man and you don't have a uterus, you can't talk about abortion. But if you're a girl who turns into a man, can you have an opinion about abortion? And if you're a man who turns into a girl, you don't have a uterus. Can you have an opinion on abortion? You see how crazy it's become? 
because the Bible talks about that in Romans 1. Romans 1 isn't just about homosexuality, guys. No. It actually talks about the mind being given over to sin, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And the Bible actually talks about their consciences become more darkened darkened they're alienated in their minds through wicked works right because the bible that your, your mind will do that the bible actually says in romans 1 that you become natural brute beasts you know what that means we go back to the basic instincts of a beast is that not happening today we don't even know what a woman is anymore well i shouldn't say we i don't believe for a moment this is the majority of the people by the way no it's not you know how i know that because these companies are going under right these, these look, news companies look at bud light yeah i mean so <laughs> bud so light is a perfect it's not the majority example. but watch what they're doing they're saying we don't know what a woman is but it's a woman it's like what the have you ever heard that before i know that that's black well how do you know it's black well because because it, it is well, what is black well that <laughs> like, look at it it's, black. it's like what you know so just you're seeing now don't get caught up in the trap of debating someone who cannot have an argument based on a theory or, or a concrete yeah because all you're going to do is run in circles with them right stick to the gospel stick to the conscience stick to no 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 we're not going to go off on all these tangents sin is before god right don't try to peg them on a particular sin. Just say, look, have you ever lied, stolen? That's why the law of God is so cool. If you're if you've broken one, you're guilty of all the Bible says. Regulations, right? The law is a schoolmaster. We talked about this last week. If you stick to the conscience, they have no choice but to, to, to submit and say, well, we all, we're all guilty. Yes, the Bible says that, that all the world might be stopped and the whole world may become guilty before God. That's what happens before Christ comes on the scene. I am guilty before God. And then Jesus comes on. And he's like, you know what? I died to remove that sin from you to walk in my power and authority. Not to remain in your sin, not to make churches that go along with sin, not all that stuff. That's how you know they're false because they're not going to Scripture. They're not going according to, to, to Scripture and all that stuff. So it's sticking to the conscience, especially when it comes to civil disobedience. My civil disobedience is not because I'm trying to win against the liberal or own a liberal or to stop an agenda. No, it's about the righteousness of Christ in my land. I'm going to stand before God with this calling. I feel like we've got to take a territory. And we're, we're beginning to do that with the help of churches and, and especially Revive. We're, we're doing that slowly but surely, right? That's our calling. That's what we're called to do. And what is your calling? Go do that thing. And you know what? It may involve civil disobedience. It may have to be where you're stepping on toes. And you know what? If that's what the Lord's called you to, he'll get you out. You're going to stand. But why would... Why would he say, when you have no words, when you stand before the councils, have no worry. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak, right? Why would you have to stand before councils? Because you're being civilly disobedient. Why did Christ stand before Pilate and all these guys? Because he was being disobedient. He wasn't following along with their system. <laughs> if Satan has his system in place, do you not think that if you are a child of God, you'll be standing against a lot of the system of the world. So don't you think you will be civilly disobedient a fair amount of the time? You're in enemy territory. You really are. And it's it. the sooner we realize that and we accept that, the more all of this makes sense. Because I think especially in the West, in America, we look at it and we go, oh, I just, how dare they? you're in the world just don't be of the world and so the more drastic it gets the more drastic your stance in conviction against all of it 
will matter and they will try to crush you. They will bring you before councils and principalities, right? And so that's why the Lord's saying, look, don't worry. I'm going to be with you no matter what council they put you before. And civil at, at the end of this, I think to round this all out, civil disobedience is a duty of the Christian. <laughs> it's, it's the Christian okay. life. Okay, thank you for yeah. that. Actually, um, it was uh, John Hancock that said, resistance to tyranny becomes the social duty of each Christian individual. That's what he said. He was like, I believe that that's, that's the duty of each. And uh, did you read that Jehu thing? That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Because I was with I, you. I'm like, Jehu, Jehu, Jehu. Um, so so um, I'm going to pull up some slides here, and I just kind of want to go with this for a minute, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, so, so we believe, I truly believe, that the Christian is meant to be disobedient against this world. And sometimes that will result in either prayer or action you know, whatever that is. And you're always going to be misunderstood. You're always going to be the one that's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. When your cause succeeds, like Mark Twain said, the timid then join you because then it costs nothing to be a patriot. It right. is what it is, right? So you're always going to get persecuted. You're always going to get stood against. But I'm just going to talk about one person in, in, in particular, William Wilberforce. He, he stood against slavery, bro. Like the slave trade, the whole slave thing in England and won. Single-handedly, this dude's like, I'm going up against the entire MP system of slavery and the slave trade, I have to do this. It's like a must for him, right? Mm -hmm. Listen to this. He was a slightly built man, about five foot three in height, and he suffered from bouts of bad health. So he's only five foot three, short little fella, the little guy, you know? Uh, around 1784 to 86, a couple of years there, he was going uh, going through a, a religious conversion. Something was stirring in his spirit. He would actually journal about it and how God was getting hold of his, of, of his heart. He was traveling with a friend, and he considered leaving Parliament, but his friend and mentor, John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, the song Amazing Grace, who himself used to be a former slave trader, advised him against this, so instead he decided to serve God in public life. From 1789, that's when his ministry began, or his mission began, Wilberforce regularly introduced bills in Parliament to ban the slave trade. He was fiercely opposed by those making fortunes from the trade, who used all kinds of delaying tactics. The first time a bill was introduced, Wilberforce lost the debate by 163 votes to 88, but he never gave up. Those 88 people finally had the courage to do something because one man stood up. Those 88 people that voted with him, right? Finally, on March 25th of 1807, which is about 18 years after the abolition of the slave trade uh, act abolished the slave trade in the British colonies. We're talking about 18, 19 years here right? They finally abolished the trade within the colonies, but it was still going on around. They still had slaves. They could still own slaves, all that stuff. But within the colonies, you couldn't trade anymore, but you could still own them. You could still have them, right? He joined the Society for Gradual Abolition. There's a debate about that. Should we do it gradually and slowly like we did in America, or should we just end it, right? Well, you got to fight it on two fronts. Get the, get the ground you can, right? So he joined the Society for Gradual Abolition, and when the campaign intensified in the 1820s and 30s, he did as much as his failing health could. He was becoming so stooped with, with pain. They called it colitis. It was something in the stomach that he had to wear a metal girdle around him to hold him up because he would be slumped so bad. So he'd have to wear a, a metal thing to hold him upright so that he could speak, right? And he was just constantly in, in, in pain. Uh, after serious illness in 1830, he left the whole thing to a guy named Thomas Buxton, Sir Thomas Buxton. And uh, the, the, the groundswell of public opinion was starting to happen. It was like, okay, we're starting to see this. Now, this is, keep in mind, we're, we're about 35 years into this fight, and people are now just starting to kind of get on his side. 30 years of fighting this, right? The parliamentary debate 
lasted three months. Just, I just want you to hear this. We're talking about 30-something years of fighting this one thing, right? And then this final debate happened, and it lasted three months. On July 26th of 1833, 44 years after fighting, fighting, fighting to stop the slave trade. Listen, civil disobedience, right? The abolition of the slavery, this abolition of slavery bill passed its third reading in the House of Commons. A messenger rushed to Wilberforce's house and they told him that slavery in the British colonies would finally be abolished. And three days later, William Wilberforce passed away. I, I just I just want you to think about that. Like he may not have died by physical hands, but can you imagine the persecution, the stress? I firmly believe there's probably ulcers in him because of all the stress that he was going through. And is this right or wrong? And how many times he had to give up the fight because he was so sick. And yet he fights and he wins and God gives him the victory. And then he passes away while hearing of the fruit that had happened. 40 years of fighting these wars, 40 years of fighting this fight, right? 40 years of fighting this fight. And finally, the Lord gave him the victory. 40 years. God could have done it today. But you know what happened? Can you imagine how many conversions happened throughout that time? Can you imagine how many times he was able to share the love of Jesus to those people? Can you imagine? We don't know. We just see slavery ended, right? But it was one dude, one dude who stood up against the entire thing, and God gave him the victory. That's the man that knew his conviction. Hey, I'm going to go after this, and I'm going to stand in the power of God. Did he do it all right? Probably not. Did he screw up sometimes? Oh, my gosh, I'm sure. He probably got angry with people. He probably wrote people off. He probably maybe, you know, got in the flesh many times and, and probably gave up when he shouldn't have gave up. But in the end, he stayed faithful and persistent, and God gave him the victory. And how many times have we seen that in history through our scriptures, through all these other things? You know what I mean? That's the point of this podcast, that, yeah, there are points of civil disobedience. But if we're going to be civil disobedient, go after the big ones. Listen, many of you guys have bought in a house. You bought in a house, right? When you got in your house, you were like, wow, this is a great house. Thank you, God. I got a house. Same with me, right? But did you notice after you've been in that house for a little while, you're like, man, that thing's falling apart. Gosh, we need a new roof. Man, the, the, the windows aren't at, you know what I mean? Yep. It's like, there's 13,000, there's 20,000, there's five grand, there's this. How many of you guys can relate to that? Write that down if you can relate to what I'm going through <laughs> right now with just my back deck. There's no, right? You two with just things that are going on in your house. You didn't ask for those problems, but you can't complain about those problems. you got to go and fix those problems. Ladies and gentlemen, we didn't ask for these problems in America, but it's at our doorstep. So let's quit complaining about them and go do something about it. It's time for the Christian to actually take the word of God and say, this isn't about civil disobedience. They call it that. I'm calling it obedience, righteous obedience. Not civil disobedience. Mm -hmm. I'm calling it righteous obedience. And the world's going to come against me, but it doesn't matter because God called me to do this. And he's going to be at the forefront. He's going to be my, my, my forward guard. He's going to be my rear guard. He's going to be my buckler, my shield. He's my high tower. He's all of that. We have to take on that nature yeah. in the world. You know what I mean? Yep. So, guys, I hope you got something out of this today. I hope uh, it helped encourage, but it helped you think more deeply about what does it mean to be civilly disobedient. And by all means, feel free to shoot us your questions, your yeah, thoughts, share. that kind of stuff. Share, like, um, all that crap. Yeah, all of that stuff. And don't forget to go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Check out the merch. Check out the blog. Uh, keep an eye on the new stuff we got going. Um, you're going to be in California in June, correct? My spidey senses say yes. Okay. So, California, we're coming for you. 
Otherwise, guys, I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right. Have a good day. Love y'all.